Hey, it's Doug Bursch, and you're listening to Fairly Spiritual. So there's a lot of talk about what success is in ministry and in life. Today I want to talk about faith for the failures. Are you a failure? Do you feel like a failure? Is failure in your future? We don't know yet, do we? The Bible tells the story of a man of faith, but when you look at his life, you realize that his life was mostly a journey of failure. Yet he is our example for faith to follow. Today, Faith for Failure on Fairly Spiritual. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. dreams with you. Well, uh, faith for failures on Fairly Spiritual sounds like some sort of uh, alliteration tongue twister, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, yeah, there's lots of, uh, I don't know, books on success and uh, conferences. Well, whether they're titled uh, success or about success, so much of what we do is about how to succeed in life, whether in uh, the Christian sphere or the public sphere. Uh, there's much said, much to do about success. But I want to look at faith for failures today and look at uh, the father of faith or the man of faith uh, that is referenced uh, throughout the Old and the New Testament and look at his example of faith and how it might contrast how we talk about Christian living and faith today. Uh, if you look in Galatians, turn to your iPads, iPods, iPhones, and other Apple devices. Yes, you can use Samsung as well. But if you would, uh, turn to Galatians 5, and you say, Doug, how can I turn there with my digital um, device? I don't know. Just go there. So Galatians 5, uh, let's go. Mm, did I say Galatians 5? I totally meant Galatians 3. <laughs> Galatians 3 uh, 7 through 9. Uh, Paul says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Preached the gospel? What do you mean the gospel? So it's interesting even what Paul is talking about of what the gospel actually is. But it says here, that uh, God, who justified the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, Abraham is called the man of faith, so maybe uh, we should look at his journey if we're going to know what it's like to walk in faith, to grow in faith, to be people of faith. And I was looking at Abraham's life, and I, I was encouraged by Abraham as a failure. 
Now, uh, as a Mariners fan, I know a lot about failure this year. We're doing somewhat well as a team. However, if you're listening to this podcast a little later in the season, none of this might apply. But right now, we're doing you know somewhat well. But in general, as a Mariners fan, you just learn to deal with disappointment. Uh, but when looking at Abraham's life, there's a lot to be said about how we live our lives in light of not seeing the promises of God be fulfilled. Now, certainly God has not promised me a winning season for the Seattle Mariners, although I have prayed. Uh, but there are promises that God gave to Abraham. There's promises that many of you believe God has given to you, and you have not seen them uh, seen them come about. And I just want to look at uh, Abraham's story and see if this resonates with you and might encourage you in your faith. Uh, with that, uh, let's get a little bit more scripture here. We're going to be a little scripture heavy in our podcast today. I hope you don't mind. I hope you forgive me if you have an aversion uh, to the Word of God. But uh, if you go to Genesis 12.1, uh, Genesis 12.1 here, I'm going to read this to you. Now the Lord said to Abram, now this is before he's Abraham, to Abram. Now I'm just going to stop right there. Abram is, uh, you know, you know him as Abraham, but Abraham's original name is Abram. And Abram in the Hebrew means uh, exalted father or high father. That's his name. Some of you might have names that mean something. Like your name might be Joy or your name. I, I knew a, a, a girl in junior high and high school whose name was Charity. And sometimes it's hard when you have a name that means something in English. I know all of our names, we can look up what they mean, but, but when it literally just means something in English, it's hard because sometimes people measure you up to your name. So I have a sister named Joy, and when Joy isn't happy, you know, sometimes people look at her like, oh, you know, what's wrong, Joy? And there's kind of that implication, Joy, you know, you should be living up to your name, Joy. Or people give you prophecies about how you should be joyous because your name is Joy. And I remember this uh, girl named Charity that I once asked her to loan me a dollar, just a dollar, and she wouldn't. And I was really upset that Charity was not so charitable. And I was thinking just, I don't know, like a month ago about that maybe Charity was not extremely not charitable. I just noticed it more in her because it contrasted her name. Uh, but when you have a name that means something, people begin to measure you based on your name. Now, Abram, his name means high father or exalted father. And it's important for us to see why would he even be named this? There's a lot about this name that tells us a lot about his background. We don't know where Abram comes from. We know he leaves his family, his father's house, his country, and he basically follows God, not knowing where he's going. But if you're going to name your child Abram, there's a couple things that probably are at play. First, Abram is probably the oldest son, the firstborn son. You don't name the second son exalted father or high father. This, this is clearly the firstborn son, and you have a father naming that son like you're going to be the next in line. You're going to be the next exalted one. You're, you're the one who's going to carry on the family. You're the one who's going to take it from here. We also know because uh, Abraham uh, takes care of Lot, uh, which is his uh, presumably his younger brother's son, 
that he also has that responsibility of being the older brother. So already we see in Abram that there's this level of responsibility that's been given him, that he's the oldest son, that he's going to be the exalted one or the high father. He's going to be the one who will carry on the family legacy. And something has happened. Not only does God call him out from his family, but something has happened in his family that it's not worth sticking around. And I believe uh, there's some sort of trauma or there's something wrong in his family and in his country. If Abram had come from, let's say, a noble family or a godly family, then there'd be part of that story. There'd be part of the story about how Abram's father uh, called upon the name of Yahweh and how you know, he'd raised him up right and it was time for Abram to leave and to pursue Yahweh. But that's not what we get. What we get is there's something broken. There's something fundamentally broken, and we, we know that because Abram is willing to follow God and to leave everything behind. And so it says, now Yahweh, that's the name of God in the Hebrew, and Yahweh's name, or God's name is Yahweh, and Yahweh means I am what I will be, I will be what I am. Whenever you see Lord in all caps, L-O-R-D, that's the name of God in Hebrew, Yahweh. Now Yahweh said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Now that's a play on words. His name itself is Exalted Father, Great Father, High Father. And God comes to Abram and says, I will make your name great. Not your family line, not your lineage, not your heritage, not your country, not your earthly father. I will make your name great. So like if your name was Joy, you're not going to make yourself joyous. I will make you joyous. My name's Doug. Uh, I don't know, God would come to me and say, I will make people dig Doug. I, I guess that doesn't work as well. But it, it's this concept that God comes and there's this play on words here that you would get in the Hebrew, that he comes to Abraham, and it's not just, you know, I'm going to give you a great name, like, I you know, give anybody a great name. He's literally playing on the name itself. Abram, you know your name, and you know right now that you're in a place of brokenness with your family. You know you're in a place where there's, there's something wrong with this family. I'm going to pull you out from your country. I'm going to pull you out from your father. I'm going to pull you out from that house, and you're basically just going to die to all that. You're going to die from your country, you're going to die from that house. You're, going to, you're just going to lay it all down, and you're going to leave as an immigrant from your country, and you're going to go to a new land that I'm going to provide for you. And I am going to make your name great. He says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. By the way, that's why Christ went to the cross, not just to forgive us of our sins, not just to restore right relationship between us and God, but so that we could have this promise to Abraham fulfilled through us, so that we could bless the rest of the nations on the face of the earth. That's why Christians are about doing things that bless the rest of the nations on the face of the earth. That's why any activity from a Christ follower or a believer in God should be something that blesses the rest of the nations on the face of the earth, because that was God's promise to Abram, that I'm going to make you into a great nation for the purpose of blessing 
the rest of the people on the face of the earth. And so that's how the story begins. And the scripture says that Abram leaves behind this place, his family, his heritage, his country, becomes this immigrant and heads to a new country. And God says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to take your name, which means high and exalted father, and I'm going to exalt you. And it says, it's, it's interesting, it says after he leaves Haran, this land, that he goes out and he makes an altar. It says he makes an altar to Yahweh and calls upon the name of Yahweh. Now this is more than just, you know, he decided to do a, a ritual. The scripture is saying that Abram decided this. I'm leaving everything behind and I'm going to spend my life calling upon the name of God. It's an all-in moment. It's like, my life is hidden in God. My past, my present, my future, it's all for God. I'm going to call upon His name. I'm going to have faith in His provision. He is going to be the one who makes my name great. And if you look at Abram's life, he makes lots of mistakes, does lots of stupid things. I don't have time to go into that. That's several podcasts. But you also see that his attempts to make his name great don't go that well. He invests in Lot, his nephew, and his nephew is just an ungrateful young man or even older man. And Lot continually rejects the parenting of Abram. And so Abram's like, how is my name going to be great through Lot? That's not going to work. Abram's not able to have children through Sarah or through Sarah. Eventually, that's her name. And so then he tries all these schemes uh, through non-appropriate sexual relations, or at least ones that are not appropriate for how God wants to carry out his vision through Abraham. And he's not able to fulfill this mission, that the family line will bless the rest of the nations on the face of the earth. He prospers financially, but he has no one to truly pass on this fin financial blessing, this prosperity. He's basically a failure. And he goes through his 50s and his 60s and his 70s and his 80s, and he gets to 90 years old, and basically, he's failed. He's believed God by faith that God is going to make his name great, but nothing happens. And then God comes to Abram and God says, okay, exalted father, high father, I want you to change your name. I want you to change your name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham means father of multitudes. Which when you think about it, it is almost like God trolling Abram. It's almost as if he's bullying Abram. Abram has no children uh, through Sarah. He says, I want you, before anything happens, to have people call you father of multitudes. Can you imagine how people kind of snickered as, uh, so what do you want us to call you? Uh, father of multitudes? Oh, okay, sure thing. Hey, there, there goes father of multitudes. People are like, really? Why are we calling him that? I don't know. Father of multitudes, is that symbolic? Is that some sort of cruel joke? Nope. 
Father of multitudes. Father maybe of a multitude of promises that God did not fulfill. Can you imagine as people said that name and sort of laughed and snickered after Abraham left the room? It was not until he was 90 that God finally fulfilled the promise and that Abraham and Sarah had a child. Abraham is the man of faith. He lived his life by faith. But honestly, if you look at his life, he lived most of his life for a promise that he never saw fulfilled until the very end of his life. He basically just had to live believing that maybe I'll see it, but even if I don't, I'm just going to trust God. And the question I have for you and the question I have for me is, do we really have that kind of faith? Do we have failure faith? You know, failure faith that we're just going to believe God, even if it never happens? That we're just going to call upon the name of God, even if we never hear? Even if the promises never are never fulfilled in our lifetime? Are we just going to follow him in our 30s and our 40s and our 50s and our 60s and our 70s and our 80s and our 90s? You know, on social media, there are so many young, passionate, I know everything people in their 20s and their 30s, and they're just telling everybody, and this is what the church should do, and this is what people should do, and the arrogance is just palpable. And they're just so sure of themselves of what's wrong with everyone and what we should be doing, and I often think, seriously, do you have the faith of Abraham, the willingness to believe and to follow and to completely entrust your life into the hands of God without seeing the promises of God fulfilled in your life until you're 90 years old? We're so quick, so quick to judge others, so quick to proclaim what we think is right or wrong or what others should do. And yet, when it comes to true persevering faith, I don't even know if we begin to understand what that looks like. Do we have that kind of faith? When I look at these things, when I look at the life of Abraham, there's just a few thoughts that come to my mind that if we are truly going to have a faith that lasts a faith that stands in the midst of failure, a faith that stands when we don't see the promises of God fulfilled in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, our 60s, our 70s, even in our 80s and our 90s, if we're going to have that kind of faith, because Abraham is the one we're commended to emulate. He's the man of faith. If we're going to have, to have, if we're going to have that kind of faith, then how are, we, how are we going to have to live our lives? Well, first, maybe we're going to have to live like Abraham did. Abraham left everything. He left the corruption of his father's house. He left it all. He left the name of his father's house. He left the prestige of his father's house. He left his own country, and he let God be his name. He called upon the name of Yahweh. He just committed, I will call upon the name of Yahweh, whether I see any promise fulfilled, I will trust God, Yahweh and trust Him alone. He committed to the calling all the way, all the way to the end. 
Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 says, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not yet seen. When I see people squander their faith or squander their calling, it is often simply the issue that they're unwilling to contend or to commit to the end. And contending and committing to the end is difficult. In every area of life, I was thinking about this in relationships. You know, uh, I know many men who are unwilling to just contend and to commit to the end in the relationships that, been, that have been entrusted to their care. Like when there's a family conflict and there's tension in the home and there's fighting between you and your spouse or you and your kids and there's tension in the home. That's when faith is exercised. And faith is not exercised by waiting for things to become easy. Faith is not exercised by waiting for things to become better. Faith is exercised by saying, hey, we're going to have a family meeting. And then getting together and saying, you know what? We're going to figure out how to make this right. We're going to contend for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in this moment. We're going to say, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why we're fighting so much. But we're going to pray and we're going to find a way to start over. And if that family meeting goes poorly, we're going to do another one. If it doesn't go well, we're going to do another one. And we're going to keep contending and contending and contending and contending and contending because faith does not give up. Faith does not give up in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, even when you're 90. You just keep contending. And if you're struggling to communicate in your marriage when you're 20, then you keep contending when you're 30 and when you're 40, when you're 50, you keep contending for that date night. You keep contending for those conversations. You do whatever it takes. You say, no, we're not going to go to sleep. We're going to find a way to communicate. And if you communicate poorly, you're going to try again the next day. You're going to do whatever it takes because faith contends for the kingdom of God to advance. You call upon the name of the Lord. So often we give up. So often we just stop. Faith continues. Faith does not leave. Faith does not quit. It's hard, but faith always contends for the better answer. I don't know about this world. I don't know what's successful in the eyes of this world. Well, I have some ideas. I don't know if you're ever going to be successful in the eyes of this world, but it doesn't really matter. It matters if you're going to live by faith. And in Abraham, we have an example of what it means to live by faith. Ask yourself, did God call upon you? Did God come to you in some way where he called you out from darkness into light? Did he call you out from brokenness into wholeness? Did he call you to leave an environment that was toxic and broken into an environment of light and life? Did he put you on a journey where you didn't quite know where you're going, but you knew you could no longer be there and you had to move towards a better place? Has he done that in your life? Is it a yes or a no? And if you believe a yes, that he's called you to move forward by faith, and if you believe you're part of Abraham's promise that your goal in life is to bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth, then you start walking that promise out. And you start walking by faith in the direction that God has sent you. Now, in walking that out, 
Have you been accepted or rejected? Have doors opened or closed? Have things happened the way you wanted them to or not the way you want? Those are the things that we don't know. Those are the things we can't understand. Those are the things we can't process. There's been hurts. There's been people who've sinned against us. There's been castles that have crumbled. There's been things that have been shaken. There's been relationships that have been broken. There are so many things that are outside our control. But one thing that is within our control is that we can still live by faith. We can still stand in faith. You know, a while back, I don't know how many years ago it was. It might have been 10 years ago. I don't quite remember. But I remember watching uh, some Christian media. And I'm putting Christian in quotes. It was on the radio, I think. And I was watching some Christian media. And it was just terrible. Terrible Christian media. And I just thought, this is terrible. I, wh- wh- how, did it, how did it get this way? How, how did Christian media become this, this terrible expression? And I was just sick of it. I was sick of the fact that so much of Christian expression was just political garbage. Or if it wasn't political garbage, it was just people trying to get your money or prosperity gospel where they were saying, you give us this money and you'll get a, you know 100000 back from God or you'll be healthy and wealthy and happy the rest of your life. It just made me angry. And I was complaining about it and I was talking with other people about what was wrong with it. And this is before Twitter but I was spending all my time talking with other people about what I didn't like about Christian media. And then one day I just thought, I'm tired of complaining. I'm tired of sitting around and complaining. I want to do something about it. And I've talked about this before, but I want to express it again. The thought of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came to me, or Abednego came to me. The concept is, they said, they said you know, we're not going to bow down. We're just not going to bow down. And, and we believe the Lord will rescue us from the fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. Now, we all know the Sunday school lesson where they're rescued from the furnace, but they don't know that. And all they know is this, we're not going to bow down anymore. So we believe the Lord will rescue us, but even if he doesn't rescue us, even if we're burned up, even if we die in the flames, we're not going to bow down anymore. We're going to live and die by faith. And I remember that. I remember just thinking, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to succeed, but I'm tired of complaining. In this modern era, I'm tired of tweeting about what's wrong with that leader and that megachurch and that person and Oprah and whoever I want to complain about. I'm tired of every single day of my life tweeting about what's wrong with everybody else and every other thing. I'm not going to bow down. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to give a different expression I'm going to do something to bring light and life in this world. And I don't know if I'll succeed. I don't know if anyone will listen to it. I don't know if anyone will read it. I don't know if anyone will value it, but I'm not going to bow down. So I can stand before the Lord. I can believe by faith that something will happen, that maybe a movement will start, that maybe people will gather around it, that maybe we can change the course of the dialogue, the communication. But even if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to bow down. You're going to find me living by faith when I'm 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, until the Lord takes me home. And so with that, I decided to do Christian media, and I started doing a little radio show. And then there was a few years where I was on a local Seattle radio station where I I, I got every day, I got to be on for a talk show, and they paid me to be on the air. And it was complicated because I I got to do my own content, but I was also an employee of the station, and it was a very far-right station. I was constantly battling with them as they wanted me to put garbage on the air. And I kept saying, no, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. And I worked really hard to serve the Lord and to do my best and to honor God. 
and to do the show with integrity, and it was a good show. And I did 1,200 shows, two-hour shows, 1,200. And I prayed that God would open the door so we could have a syndicated show, and I prayed that God would open the door so that someone would hear it, or that someone in in leadership or in positions of power would offer me an opportunity to speak to more people. But guess what happened? No doors opened. The show wasn't syndicated. And the pressure got worse and worse and worse to the point where I finally had to quit because it was frankly an immoral environment. And the door was closed. And it shook me. It shook me to invest five years and to find at the end of those five years a slamming door. But here's the deal. I can sit around and complain. I can question, where's my Isaac? Where's my promise? Where's the vision you gave me, Lord? I can try to manipulate some other thing and do it in my own strength or power. Or I can just say, you know what? I'm going to live by faith and I'm not going to bow down. So recently I, I decided I contacted a friend or a friend contacted me and he said, Doug, you know, I'm at a different station here and, you know, you can pay to be on the air once a week at a certain time and we found a way where it won't cost you that much. And people say, well, you can do podcasts. I'm doing podcasts here, but I know I'm supposed to prophetically be on Christian radio because there's a reality that there still needs to be a voice that's different than the voice that's currently on the air. And I know that when I'm on there, I reach people who are literally giving up on their faith because of the environments they're in. There are people who are ready to give up on everything. There are influencers, there are world changers, there's the next generation, there's people who desperately need to hear a better message. I know I've been prophetically called to those people. And I just decided, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bow down. So I just decided. So a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, 52 shows. Someone helped me with a, a, a generous donation. So for 52 shows, it's going to take me $5,200 to do 52 shows. And so I put the word out and I'm raising it through my website for production and putting the show on the air. And I know some people think it's foolish, a waste of money. And it might just be 52 shows, but I'm just not going to bow down. I'm just going to live like a fool. I'm not going to be ashamed of what's on my heart. Because I can sit around and tweet about that I don't like that mega churches have, you know, private jets and what I don't like about what Joel Osteen does or what I don't like about what, you know, Mark Driscoll or, or whoever's on the radar. Or I can just do what God has called me to do, and I can challenge you to do it as well. I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to live like Abraham lived. I pastor a regular-sized church, and for most people, that means small. Last Sunday, it was just a small group of people. Barely 50 to 60 people were there. In the eyes of the world, it's nothing. In the eyes of the world, I'm a failure. I'm a nobody. But I believe 
I have a mission and a purpose and a calling in Jesus. And I believe that I am called to live by faith and to invest my entire life until God takes me home or until he returns in the skies to pursue that calling with a passion worthy of the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe you have that same calling in some, in some way. And you may feel like a failure, and you may not have seen the things happen that you wanted to happen in your life, and I'm not belittling this, and I'm not saying your pain isn't real, but ultimately, man or woman of God, live by faith. Live by faith. Choose to live by faith. Get up, move forward. Unless you're 90 yet, you still have room to grow. And if you're 90 and living by faith, I bet you have more room to grow. Set the example. Set the bar high. Show your kids and your grandkids, your friends and your family and the world that you are calling upon the name of Yahweh your entire life. That you will be a man or a woman of faith no matter what. That's what we're called to do. I appreciate you listening. If you'd like to support this faith endeavor, your support matters. If you go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org, there's a way for you to donate for these shows. You can do that. For the production and the broadcast of these shows, they'll also turn into podcasts. But if you'd like to help with this radio endeavor or with this podcast endeavor, I would encourage you a donation of 25, 50, 100 or more will help me do that. Most importantly, though, could you listen and share these broadcasts with other people? And could you pray for me? Could you pray that I won't bow down and that you won't bow down? Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not through with you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. You are not a failure. You are a man or a woman of faith. All right, this music is by my brother, Dan Bursch. Check out his music on iTunes. I will see you next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you've spoken by your word. Your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my only one. You're the only one worth living for. So I'm dreams with you.